Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Morning, church. You still doing good? Come on, anybody excited to be at church today? Woo! Hey, we're pumped up about Serve Day 2020, and if you're new to our church uh, within the last year, then it might be new information to you, but we have opportunities really every single month. uh, There are opportunities to serve in the community. Some of that has been uh, stifled a little bit with what we've been walking through for the last three months or so. But uh, July 11th is Serve Day 2020, and this is a day where we just gather together as a church body, and we serve on multiple teams all across our community and different organizations, mowing yards, just just acts of generosity and acts of kindness all across our city. And so we want you to be a part of it, and you can do that. You can download, as you saw, you can download that Church Center app. That is going to be a great tool for you to use to be able to sign up for groups, uh, connect with your group. You heard all the things, you know, register for events, that are coming up, sign up for teams. Uh, you can give on there. There's all kinds of stuff you can get on there. And uh, kind of this one place to, to connect you in all of these different areas. And so uh, you can get that, or you can go to yourimpactchurch.com serve, which is the uh, website link for all of that. And you can get all the information about the different teams. I think there are about uh, 10 different teams or something like that, 10 or 12 different teams on there that you can choose from. And uh, they're categorized and 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 people limits and things like that based on what that project needs. And so uh, get on there this week, sign up for a team, be ready to, to, to jump in. We're going to meet here July 11th in the parking lot at 8 a.m., and so it's going to be a fun day. Uh, come on, you're going to get a free T-shirt for serving, and it's going to be an incredible day. We just enjoy it every single year that we do it, and we want you to be a part of it. And then iKids, uh, you heard that. we are. The plan is that next Sunday – July 5th at the 11 a.m. service, we are uh, heading back into kids' ministry, and we've had people that have volunteered and, and joined that team and that are going to begin to serve. And this does a couple of things. Really, it's uh, kind of where we're at with volunteer base. And so kind of everything we've walked through where we're at with volunteers, uh, it allows us to, to be able to utilize those people and not just kill a whole bunch of people and burn a whole bunch of people out. Uh, but at the same time, they're going to be able to attend one at 9.30 and on the day they're serving, and then they can serve at 11. And so I encourage you, if you haven't signed up to be a part of the kids' team, uh, man, everything is provided. The curriculum is provided. The, the toys are provided. I mean, everything is provided for you. It's a great opportunity for you to step in. Uh, you're not going to be alone. There'll be somebody in there with you, and you can serve those kids and teach those kids and love on those kids. And so we encourage you to go on the website, on the iKids page, and uh, or send us an email, however you want to do that, and just uh, let us know that you want to be a part of that team so we can get you the information that you need to have and get you connected in that way. So next Sunday, we're excited about that, July 5th, 11 a.m. Uh, so if you have kids to, uh, to be a part of kids' ministry, birth all the way through eighth grade, uh, we're asking you to bring them at the 11 a.m. service, uh, and that would help us tremendously in that way. And today, I want to speak to you on this title. I've titled the message, Filled with Color. Filled with color. And here lately, Amanda and I, we've been having some conversations around this word and about this word radical. You ever, you ever heard the word radical? You've used the word radical. Well, that was radical, you know, and, that, and, and, and you use it. And really, I've got the definition. The most important thing uh, or the, the, the thing that I like the most about the definition is the word extreme. But I'll read the whole definition to you. 
says of or going to the root or origin, fundamental, thoroughgoing or extreme, especially as regards from accepted or traditional forms. And there's a quote as we jump in today from David Platt. I don't know if you have heard of David Platt. He's an author and a pastor, and he said this. He said, I could not help but think that somewhere along the way we had missed what is radical about our faith and replaced it with what is comfortable. That somewhere, I like to say it this way, that somewhere along the way in the seven years you've been serving the Lord, we have replaced radical with comfort. Somewhere along the way in the 34 years that you've been serving the Lord, there has been a switch that has happened from radical to comfort. Somewhere along the way in the last six months that you've been serving the Lord, come on, you can find yourself somewhere. Something has shifted and we have replaced what's radical about our faith with what is comfortable. And I have to tell you, just on a practical note, uh, we're excited about the new building and moving in there. And uh, as we as, as that continues to move forward, we're going to give you timelines and kind of when we're hoping to be in there. And, and uh, it's going to be an exciting time. But here's one thing that uh, I won't say it concerns me. I just don't want us to get to this place to where we are more consumed because we've already talked about, you know, we're getting there and some of you are like, when we get in this new building, are we going to have some more comfortable chairs? Bless God. Are we going to, you know, like, can we have some cushions on the seats and, you know, things like that. And and uh, we are planning to have all of that stuff. But what I don't want to happen is for us to seek out our comfort more than we're seeking out Jesus in the process. And for it not to become this thing like, wow, we have this great building we can come to and these kids' classrooms and this, you know, worship center and the office space. And, well, I want to see it all, you know. And we, we get all this and we're like, wow, look at me. I get to come and sit in this, you know, 20-inch cushion chair that, you know, <laughs> that that I'm just loving and that we become so consumed with our comfort that we stop actually following and serving Jesus. I don't want us to become so comfortable that we begin looking for the things of God and we begin serving, looking for serving God and discipling people and leading people to know God and grow in their faith and go and make disciples that we start looking for all of those things to be comfortable and easy. I don't want us to get to the place to where we start we, we start thinking, well, there must be something wrong if it's not easy. There must be something there must be something that we're not doing right if it's not easy, if it's not comfortable. No, it's probably not going to be easy and it's probably not going to be comfortable, but that doesn't mean it's not what God's called us to do. And I don't want us to get so consumed with our comfort that we we replace what's radical about serving Jesus and what Jesus did for us and what we get to do in following him that we replace it with comfort in our lives. And uh, I want to show you something, just this little uh, brief illustration to kind of get us started today and kind of where the title of this message comes from is, I don't know about you, we have, at our house, we have lots of bottles of water. Anybody like bottled water? You like bottled water? We have filtered water as well, but for some reason, I don't know what it is. It's like I can go pick up a bottle of water and I might actually drink that, but if I fill up a cup, you know, it just I, it just sits there all day. I don't know. It's this weird thing, but we'll go out and we have bottles of water in the garage, in the refrigerator, in the garage, or sometimes there'll be, you know, this 24-pack of bottled water that's on the floor and we'll go out there and, you know, it's like pull one out, put a new one in so that it gets cold, right? And we also have these things like this. We try to get our kids to drink water, and sometimes this is the only way that I, that I can get myself to drink water. We have these little things that, that come in packages, or they come in, you know, little squirt bottles. You ever seen these? You have these around your house. Anybody have these? And, and what it is is our kids, you know, they'll even say when, when Amanda will even say something about, you know, they're like, we're hungry. Well, maybe you just need to drink some water. You need to drink some water. And they'll be like, can we put some color in our water, you know? 
We don't want to just drink the plain water. We, we want some color in our water. And what's interesting to me is we have, you know, this water that's clear and, and, uh, and it's good. It's, it's good for you. You need to drink this. But for the sake of this, I'm going to do this while holding a microphone again. But what happens whenever you pour the color into the water is something changes. And what I've noticed about this with our kids and even with myself is that I can I can take this and if I was to accidentally spill this on me or my kids were to spill this on their clothes, you give it a couple of hours and you'll never even know that anything was ever even spilled on them. However, somebody say however. When I put the color in here, especially depending on what color it is, if I was to spill this on my shirt, and especially if I was to leave it for several hours or even a couple of days, it's more than likely going to leave a stain that is going to be very, very hard to get out. And what I think what I think God is calling us to is to be filled with color in a way that whenever this spills out, whatever's in you spills out onto other people, it leaves an impression, it leaves a mark, it leaves a stain, not something that two hours later, who was that again? I don't even really know what that conversation was about. And I want to talk to you about this for just a few minutes because I believe it's important in our, in our walk with Jesus that we be filled with color. That there be something that we're not just for the sake of this message, regular, but that there's something on the inside of us that whenever we get around other people, whenever it spills out on other people, whenever, we, whenever we're drinking it, that there's something different. There's something changed about this water. The color has changed. The consistency has changed. The taste has changed. Not just the look of it, but the way that it tastes has changed when it's filled with color. And we don't need comfortable we need radical. We don't need comfortable. We need willing. We don't need comfortable. We need following Jesus. And I want to talk about this for a moment. And I was thinking about the most radical, most extreme, most important way that God showed how he loved us. And we have quoted this verse. We have this verse on t-shirts. We have it on hats. We put it on our Bump, you know, bumper stickers and all of this. And everybody, when, when I tell you it's John 3.16, oh, I know John 3.16. Have you ever stopped to think about how radical and extravagant and extreme and how important this verse is to you? Because this is what it says, John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then... I was thinking about Jesus' response in his prayer in the, the Garden of Gethsemane right before he is arrested and beaten and crucified. And this is what, what, what Matthew writes down in chapter 26, starting in verse 36. says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. 
He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And here's what, here's what Jesus prayed. He went a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground praying this. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, somebody say yet. I want your will to be done, not mine. If it's possible, if it's, nothing wrong with this, Jesus prayed it. If it's possible, if there's any other way, if this can go down another way, can we do it that way? Yet, I don't want my will to be done. I want your will to be done. And so whatever your will is, this is what Jesus is even praying. And he's saying, whatever your will is, that's what I'll submit to. Not what I want, but whatever your will and your purpose is. And so in response to God's love for us, I think there are a few things that he wants us to experience and what it might look like to be filled with color that affects those around us and what God is inviting us into. And how do we, how do we experience this? How do we walk this out? What does this actually look like? And uh, I want to talk to you just about three things, just a few things really quick. Here's the first thing that I think we need. We've got to have a radical encounter. There has to be a radical encounter. Not an addition to an encounter. Not a, I want to add you to my life, but an actual encounter. Something, a moment that can be repeated every single day, that is a moment that changes you. Not a moment where you add Jesus to your life because it makes you comfortable. Oh, I'm coming for you today. <laughs> but, a, but a moment, an encounter with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that changes you forever. That changed you forever. And there's a story. I love this story. I love this story in the Bible. This is where Saul becomes Paul. And I know some of you might be familiar with this, but I want to read about six verses at the beginning of this story. It says in Acts chapter 9, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And I would encourage you going to read the story because you can see where Saul becomes Paul and there's repentance that happens and there's life change that happens and all of the things that he goes on to do and the churches that are planted and the books of the Bible as we know them that are written, the letters that are written because of this encounter. It's because there was an encounter. See, Paul had religion, but he hadn't had an encounter. Paul was going about his business thinking that he was doing, I'm doing what everybody wants me to do. I'm doing what everybody thinks I should be doing. I'm doing what my position says that I should do. I have religion. But up until this point, Paul, or as he's known prior to this, Saul, hasn't had an encounter with Jesus. 
it's not until this point that he encounters Jesus in a way that changes everything. Not a moment where he add like Jesus shows up and he adds Jesus like, okay, Jesus, if you want to come be a part of what I'm doing, then we can go do this and you can be a part of what. No, it was an encounter with Jesus that changed every. It changed the trajectory of his life and everything that he did from that moment forward. It's when everything shifted, and it didn't come from religion. It came from an encounter which led to a relationship. His encounter with Jesus changed. His life, and we need an encounter that leads to repentance. We need an encounter with Jesus. We need a moment with Jesus that is repeated probably on a daily basis to where you get up and you say, today I'm following Jesus. Today, no matter what, I'm following after Jesus. Today, no matter what it costs me, I'm following after Jesus. I'm not just adding Jesus to my life. He is everything to me, and I'm following after him wherever he leads me. It's, you know what repentance means? It's so simple. It means that you turn around, you turn from this, and you start going in this direction. And I wonder how many of us have had a moment, we've had an experience, we've prayed a prayer, but how many of us actually turned from this direction and started going this direction that Jesus was going? How many of us have actually given all of our lives to him and made him Lord of our life, like Jesus, like Whatever you say goes. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you lead me, I will follow. We have to have an encounter. If we want to live like this, if we want to be filled with God, there has to be an encounter that changes your life. That changes, it has to be a decision that I am deciding to follow Jesus, I repent from the direction that I'm going and what I have been doing and all of my sin and I receive forgiveness and I repent and I'm now going this way. This is the way Jesus is going. I have now decided to follow him. I picture John whenever whenever Jesus was walking by and he's you know preparing the way for Jesus and he's got his disciples there and as Jesus walks by, John says, there he is and they're like, well, I'm going that way. You know, It's like, I'm trying to tell you today, here Jesus is, he wants you to follow him. It's a decision, it's an encounter, it's a moment that will be that, that, that you'll make the decision every single day. Today, I'm going to follow Jesus, and you repent, and you turn from this way, and now I'm going this way. And I'm not going back. We can sing the song, right? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Come on, some of y'all, some of y'all hadn't been in church long enough to recognize that song. I remember that song when I was a kid. I was so little, talking about singing I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I don't even remember any of the other words. I just remember that right there. It's a decision. It's a decision to follow Jesus no matter what. No matter what. See, we can say this. When we have religion, we simply have routine. But when we have relationship, we get revelation. When we have religion, we have routine. When we have religion, we have, well, what I do is I get up and I go to church on Sunday. When we have religion, we have, well, you know, when it, when it works for my benefit, when it fits into my schedule, we have routine. We have things that we do. Well, I just get up and I do this, and then I do this on Sunday, and then I do that, you know, because it's just the right thing to do. And it might be the right thing to do, but when you have religion, all you have is routine. It's until you have relationship that things begin to be revealed to you. Things like... Like, like, 
that we are called to follow Jesus. Revelation that his word is truth. Revelation that nothing can separate us from his love. Revelation that we get to live our lives in a way that brings him glory. Revelation that our lives are not our own, but we were bought with a price. Revelation through his word. Revelation from the Holy Spirit. It's when you get in a relationship that you get revelation, and you're like, wow, this is what God thinks about me. This is who God says that I am. This is where he's leading me. And no matter what, I'm going to follow him. It's not religion. Religion is routine. It's doing this and doing this and doing this. No, it's relationship. It's relationship that makes all the difference. It's what God reveals through his word and through the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. Not necessarily what we think. It's not about what we think. It's not about what we think. Well, in Isaiah 55, and you may be familiar with this, starting in verse 8, this is God, and he's, he's letting us know. He says, listen, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Everywhere that I say, relationship. Relationship that reveals, it's not about what I'm thinking because God's thoughts, I may not see this in the way that God sees this. Because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways. And I may not completely understand everything that he's doing, but my understanding may not necessarily be what matters. It might be what God is trying to reveal to me. It might be where Jesus is leading me. It might be how that, that, that God is trying to bring glory to himself. Through that, religion is routine. Relationship brings revelation. We need an encounter with God. A moment that changes everything in our lives. Here's the second thing. Is we need radical dependence. Radical dependence. When I think about dependence on God in my life, I think about a couple of verses. They just came to my mind. One of them is John 15 and verse 5. Where Jesus says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do almost nothing. For apart from me, you can do some things. I am the vine and you are the branches. And apart from me, you might be able to accomplish something, but it may not be everything that it could. That's not what it says. I love the fact that it's extreme. (laughs) That Jesus says, listen. If you stay dependent on me and connected to me, you will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Not some things, not a little bit over here. No, you cannot do anything if you are not dependent and connected to me. I love the extreme radical dependence on Jesus that he's talking about in this verse. And then I was thinking about Proverbs chapter 3. And we quote this a lot, but there was something, when I was reading this, preparing for this, there was just something that stuck out to me. And I was talking to somebody about it at the end of the 930 service. It's just something that stuck out to me when I read it this time. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend. We're talking about dependence. Do not depend on your own. Don't depend on you. Don't depend on the way that you understand things, the way that you comprehend things. Seek his will, and here it is again, all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And when I read these, these verses in John 15 and in Proverbs 3, the things that kept jumping out to me is Jesus was not giving like, there wasn't a whole lot of gray area here. <laughs> it was like, connect to me, be dependent on me radically, and you will produce much fruit. But if you're not, you can't do anything. And then he said, trust in me with not part of your heart, not with a part of your life, not like trust in me with all of your heart, like everything. Seek my will in every in all that you do. And then this happens. It's it's this radical dependence on Jesus. We've got to have this encounter that changes our lives, that literally changes your life. That it's not something to where you add Jesus to and then you just go on living. But it's an encounter. It's meeting Jesus in a way that changes you. That from that moment forward, I'm never the same. I'm never the same. I've got to tell everybody. I'm never the same. Like, I can't live the way that I used to live. I have to live this way now. Like, it's it's an encounter. It's dependence on him. And, and I wonder, are we choosing selective following? Are we choosing selective obedience? Or are we actually choosing... Sold out, so what, doesn't matter, whatever you lead me to, whatever you ask me to do, which, which, which way are we leaning? Are we, are we sold out to Jesus and following him to the point to where it's like, like I've got so what, now what, whatever you lead me to do, like that's, that's, that's how I'm following you, or is it selective? We've got to have a radical dependence and then here's the third thing. It's radical trust. Radical trust. Psalm 28, verse 7. I love this verse. It says, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him, here it is again, with all my heart. I trust him with all my heart. How many of you sometimes you just need to remind yourself like, okay, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my shield, and I will trust him with all of my heart. He helps me. And my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. And we, we've seen, like, I was reading through these verses and it just kept, st- like, the word nothing. That's like an absolute. The word all. That's like an absolute. That, like, that's all. Like, if you look up the definition of the word all, it means all. You look up the, word, the definition of the word nothing, it means, like, nothing. Just saying, listen, you've got to have, you got to, like, completely depend on me. You've got to completely trust in me. You've got to have an encounter with me that changes your life. Not add me to your life, but it changes everything about you. And I was asking myself this question, and I want to ask it to you a couple of questions, really. It's this, why do we say we trust God and God is good when, thing, when we feel like things are easy and comfortable, but we struggle to trust him in the moments we don't like? Why, why do we, we're quick to say, like, God is good, God is faithful, I'm trusting him, look at how smooth everything's going in my life, like, it's easy right now, like, God is preparing the way, and 
walking in this and I'm following after Jesus. And then when things get hard, we struggle. We struggle. Now, I do want to say this. I believe that God is big enough to handle your struggle. Where do you need to go with your struggle? You need to go with him, to him, with your struggle. But I was asking myself, like, why, why do I struggle to trust him? If, if he's good all the time, that means that in the bad, he's still good. That means that in the thing that I don't get, he's still good. And I was asking myself this, this second question, am I following what I know or am I following the God that I know? Am I following as long as I get it? Or am I following Jesus because I've made a decision to follow Jesus no matter what? No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what comes my way, right? Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. But here's the good news. Take heart. I've already overcome the world. Like, I've already done everything that needs to be done. I've already overcome it all. You're still going to have trouble. That's what he's saying. You're still going to have trouble. But you can take heart in the fact that you're following me. And the person that you're following has already overcome the world. The person that you're following has already overcome everything that you will ever face. It's not that you won't face it, but he's already bigger than it. He's already defeated it. And if we trust that God is good, then trials and hardship and persecution, they won't make us bitter. They'll actually make us better. Well, how do you know that it's going to make me better and not bitter whenever I handle it the right way? Well, I believe it's in James chapter 1. Starting in verse 2, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, any kind, there's no qualification on the trouble that might come into your life. There's no, there's no uh, limit on the, the trial that may come into your life. But he says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow. And I love the beginning of verse 4. James says, so let it grow. Let it grow. It reminds me, I don't know how many of you have kids, but it reminds me of the Lorax. I don't know if you've seen the Lorax movie. You know, it's like, let it grow, let it grow. You know, just I don't know why that song just pops into my head, but I love the beginning of verse 4. He says, let it grow. Grow for when here's why for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. When troubles of any kind come your way, can you imagine living your life in this way? Can you imagine following after Jesus in such a way that when trouble of any kind comes into your life, you wake up and you know I'm facing trouble today. I'm just so excited. I get to face trouble today because I know that that my faith is being tested so that my endurance can grow. And when my endurance grows, it produces something in me. And, and, and now I lack nothing. And then you wake up the next day and it's like same trial, same struggle, maybe a new one. And you wake up and you're like, I just cannot wait. I am so joyful. That I get to face this today because God is doing something. God is is endurance. We were we were uh, I can't remember where we were. I was talking about this at the nine thirty, and our our oldest son he was he came over to me and he had been running and he had been playing, and he came over and he was saying that his side was hurting. 
And I said, well, what happened? Did somebody, did somebody fall on you? Did you fall and hit something? Did somebody elbow you or whatever? He's like, no, it's just I've been out there playing and running, and it's just hurting. And I told him, I said, that's what happens. When your body is not used to playing and running and, and doing all that as consistently as what you're doing right now, like your side begins to hurt. But I said, I, and I asked him, I said, do you know how you get rid of that? Do you know, you know how you make that better? It's not by quitting. It's by continuing to run and continuing to play and continuing to persevere through the pain. You ever met an athlete that was the best at everything that they were doing because they never had any resistance? <laughs> it's like greatest athlete of all time. They never trained. They never practiced. They never ran. They never pushed through pain. They never did any. No, like the, 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 the people that we would say, wow, that's like the greatest athlete of all time. They would tell you that when it started to hurt, I kept going. And over time, today I run a quarter of a mile and I'm hurting. Tomorrow I'm going to run three-tenths of a mile and I can endure a little bit more. Three days later I can run a half a mile I can endure a little more. Before you know it, if you keep letting your endurance grow, you'll be able to get out and just run five miles before you really even start to feel anything because you have learned, your body has learned how to endure and persevere and now things are happening and things are lining up and things are as, as they're supposed to be. But you have to be willing to push through the hard. It says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? When I'm facing trouble, oh, my faith's being tested so that my endurance can grow, so that God can do something in me. I need to let it grow because when my endurance grows and is fully developed, then you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You see, radical trust doesn't mean that life will be easy. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean that even when it's hard and, and difficult, that, that I'm not going to have maybe doubt from time to time. But here's what radical trust means. It means that when it's hard and when it's difficult, I already know what this is about. It's about me growing. It's about me developing. It's about my endurance growing. It's about, it's about it making me more like Jesus. This, this whole thing that we call life is all about Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there are some things sometimes that I don't get. I just, I, I just don't, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why that's going on. I don't know, like I just don't get it. Here's what I do know: that if if you read the Word of God, it's all about Jesus. Like somehow, Jesus is bringing glory to the Father. You know, I think about the, I think about the, man, the man. I can't remember if he was blind or crippled, but Jesus and the disciples are walking by and they ask him. They're like, "Who's, like, who sinned to make this man like this? Was it him? Was it his parents? You know, was it somewhere down the family line there was some sin that was going on, and now he finds himself like this because of that?" And Jesus says, "No, this happened so he could get glory." In other words, I have allowed this hard thing so that in a way that you may not really comprehend God will get glory so that somebody's life may be changed 
And this is why we have to make the decision. I will follow Jesus. I have encountered him. It has changed my life. I will follow him. I will depend on him. I will trust him no matter what it looks like at all costs. I will follow him. I will follow him. I'll bring the worship team back up. And if you'll stand to your feet today, we could say it this way, that we need to choose to be refined instead of retreating. When we come into trouble, when we come into trial, when things are staring us in the face, we need to, we need to look at it as an opportunity to be refined, not as an opportunity to retreat. And what if we decided today that we were going to trust God with all of our hearts, with all of our hearts? I believe that when you have a radical encounter with the Lord of Lords and you radically depend on him and you radically trust in him, then the stage is set for you to operate toward others with radical love and radical grace and radical forgiveness and radical faith and radical generosity and radical joy and radical peace. And I was thinking about even Serve Day that's coming up in just a little less than two weeks. And nobody came to us when, when Impact Church began. Nobody came to us and said, hey, you're a church. You're a body of believers. You're Christians. You say you're following Jesus. Like, will you serve our city? Will you serve other people? It, it wasn't a matter of somebody coming to ask. We just knew that's what God has called us to do to serve our brothers and sisters, to use what he's given us to, to, to serve each other and to serve in our community and be the hands of feet in our hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And that's why I'm, I'm asking you just, just, oh man, I'm telling you, just try it. <laughs> just sign up for a team, show up on July 11th and serve for four hours and, and just do something selfless for somebody else and watch what God even does and stirs in your life as you just mow yards for four hours or you go into this organization and you're sorting things for them or you're moving equipment out and moving equipment in that they otherwise couldn't get done because they didn't have the manpower to do it and you're doing all these things just, just because, hey, we just want to love you. We just want to serve you. Are you looking for Jesus are you serving Jesus? Are you desiring relationship and radical faith? Or are you looking for and serving something that simply resembles Jesus? I think, I think how we know, and I'm preaching to myself, I think how we know if we're really seeking after and following after Jesus or something that resembles him is what is our response when things don't look like what we want them to look like because if we've made the decision to follow Jesus no matter what he didn't promise us easy he didn't promise us everything was going to be great all the time he promised us that he would never leave us that he would never forsake us that even when we walk through it that he's doing something in it that we can know that he's going to take everything and work it together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose according to what he is accomplishing in his will he's going to work all those things together for the good and we may not see it but we've made the decision I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what I'm not looking for something that resembles him, that makes me feel good, and when I get uncomfortable, then I'm walking away. That's, that's, that's not the real thing. It's making the decision like, I'm turning. I'm turning from the direction that I have been going, and I'm going to follow after Jesus with everything that I have. I'm going to go where he tells me to go. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to say what he tells me to say. I'm following after Jesus, no matter the cost. 
no matter the cost, I'm following him. I love C.S. Lewis. He kind of said it in this way. He said, I want Christ, not something that resembles him. What a declaration to be able to stand and say, it's hard, but I want Christ, not something that resembles him. I don't completely understand, but I know I want Jesus and not something that resembles him. I don't completely get it, but what I do know is I want Jesus and not just something that resembles him. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to sing one final song in just a moment. But I want to pray. And really I want to lead some of you in a prayer in just a moment. And this is the prayer because I think that maybe there are some of us in the room that we have added Jesus to our life. But he's not, he's not the sinner. We're not really following him unless it's convenient. And what I, wanna, what I believe the Lord wants me to ask you today and what he wants me to lead you in a prayer for is a radical encounter with God, an encounter that changes your life, a decision, a decision. It's you making the decision to repent, to repent from your sin, to repent from the direction you've been going, to, to repent of the things that... That, that you know are not you following Jesus, to repent. And that simply means I'm going to turn around today. And I'm making the decision to follow Jesus no matter what. And so if you're in this room, I just want you to respond. If you're in this room, I believe that, that, that there's an encounter with Jesus that changes you. It changes you from the inside out. And you're here today and you say, I want that. I want that encounter. I want the encounter that says, I'm following you no matter what. No matter what. If that's you, will you just lift your hand right where you are? I'm following you no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. If I don't get it, I'm following you. If I don't understand it, I'm following you. If it's not the direction that I wanted to go, I'm following you. Jesus said, not my will. If, if there's any other way, I would love that. But not my will, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. And so I want to lead you in this prayer if that's you. And we're going to pray this. And I'd encourage you to pray it out loud. And we're all going to pray this together. Nobody prays alone. And maybe you didn't raise your hand. And now you're like, man, I, I just know. I know this is what I need. I know he has not been Lord of my life. Like I need, I need to repent. I need to turn around. I need to follow him for real. I need to go after Jesus and not something that just kind of looks like him or feels like him. I need to go after him. And so will you pray this prayer to say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I repent of all my sin, the direction I've been going, trying to do things my way, for holding back certain areas of my life from you. And I turn and today I make the decision to follow you, to follow after you no matter what. God, today I pray for your people right now, every person that has made that decision to follow after you. 
no matter what the cost. Lord, I pray that you would remind us every day, God, that we would be reminded we have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have had an encounter that has changed my life. I have recognized what he did for me when he gave his life up for me, when he took the beating, whenever he was nailed to the cross, and whenever he rose from the grave on the third day. I have recognized everything that he did for me and that he held nothing back. And so today I make the decision to follow him. God, remind us we have decided to follow you. And Lord, I pray as we sing this last song that that we would declare your goodness in faith, knowing that even when we don't understand it, God, it's, it's already done. Every battle has already been won. It is finished. It is perfect. You have overcome. And because you have overcome, we make the decision to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.